Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. and fans, and welcome in for another episode of Peace, Love, and Baseball. I'm your host, K-Bird Tweets. How's it going this week? Are you enjoying some October baseball? I know I am, and we're going to catch up on all of it. I am a little under the weather today, but that is not going to stop us from getting in our weekly report, where I will tell you what I'm reading, eating, playing, obsessing over, recommending, and treating myself to. We're also going to do kind of a mini deep dive into Hispanic Heritage Month, which you may or may not know happened over the past month from September 15th to October 15th. And we'll take a look at how Major League Baseball celebrated that and how they are actually continuing the celebration into the postseason. There's some pretty cool things that they are doing. And then, of course, we are going to hit some of the hottest moments in our postseason trick or treat. Tricks and treats? Trick or treat? Maybe we'll decide together. But we're going to hit our postseason trick or treat segment to round things out today. Let's get right into this report. Time to check in with what I am reading. You know, since I have started sharing this with y'all, I'm burning through books. I'm holding myself to it. It's it's a good thing. So thanks for that. I am actually rereading now a physical copy of a book called Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I say rereading because I listened to the audiobook before, which if you've listened into a number of the last few episodes, you'll know that that is my preferred way of consuming books. But I got my husband a physical copy of the book because he likes to physically read books, and I really thought that he would enjoy this one. And so I'm rereading it, and it's cool because the book is very aesthetically pleasing, and it's done almost in like a scrapbook format. So I'm definitely receiving it differently by consuming it on paper, which is really neat. So this book is, it's like kind of a biography, kind of a self-help book, but actually neither of those, which is what I really like about it. So it just kind of gives you some fun stories from Matthew McConaughey's life, some interesting insight into his life, and even more so his way of thinking and the way that he has really made the most out of all different sorts of situations. It is a really good and interesting read, And I think no matter where you are or who you are in life, you can take a lot from it. So check it out. Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. He reads the audiobook, by the way, which is definitely part of why I really enjoyed the audiobook. This week, I am eating. Okay, I've been eating this for like the past few weeks, but I'm especially enjoying them this week. Apple cider donuts. I'm going to call out here that I would suggest that you get apple cider donuts from like an apple orchard or a pumpkin patch where they are like freshly baked because we had some that was from like a donut place here in Chicago. Like they're selling them, you know, by the dozen. And I don't know, they were like prepackaged, I guess. Maybe if we got them, you know, hot off the donut press at the donut place, they would have been better. But there was like a stark difference between those prepackaged donuts, and then the ones that I got at the pumpkin patch this past weekend with my mom and my niece. So go get those apple cider donuts. It is that time of year, and you've probably only got like a week or so left until most of those places are open and cranking out those fresh donuts for you. Playing part of the report this week, I'm going to recommend actually a YouTube show, which is not something, to be honest, that I typically consume a lot of, but I found the show called Foul Territory. Maybe you've heard of it. You should find them on Twitter, and I will link it in the show notes here because I've just really enjoyed consuming it ever since I came across it a month or so ago. They have been doing this daily show all about baseball since like February or March, I think, and they do it Monday through Friday from 
noon to two central time or you know, wherever you are, that might vary a little bit, obviously, but they are live for two hours in the middle of the day. And then, of course, you can watch all the content as time allows with your schedule. But it is a former MLB reporter or MLB network reporter, Scott Braun, and a number of former Major League Baseball players like Eric Kratz and Todd Frazier. And they just do such a great job of bringing baseball news to us in the way that like I have always thought that it it should be done and it should be talked about and it's it's just really unique perspective obviously to get these guys who have been there and have like real relationships with many current players as well and just have the real life experience to talk about it and the way that Scott leads the conversation and the questions that he poses to them are really great and they have all kinds of guests including a lot of current and former players, and a lot of great media people. And it's just a lot of fun. Every day I have been putting it on, and I'm never disappointed. So check it out. That is what's playing for me this week. My obsession this week is it's got to be postseason baseball, y'all. I love it. I always think when the Cardinals get eliminated from the postseason, or in this case, they are not in the postseason, that I'm like not going to be as into it. And then I'm always just as into it. Okay, maybe not just as into it. I think I'm just as into it, maybe just not in the same way, right? But yeah, no, I'm very invested. I'm having a great time. We're going to talk more about how I feel about certain teams and certain things that are happening. But I will say that I am recording this pretty late on Monday, much later than I normally would. It's going to come out on Tuesday morning as always, but I'm recording it later so that I could really stay up to date with everything that's going on in these final games of the championship series. I've got one on in the background right now. Hopefully you can't hear it. All right. I am recommending to y'all, it is cold and flu season and we just need to do whatever we can to combat that. You know, all we can do is do our best coming for us, but I'm going to recommend some Health Aid Kombucha for you. It's a nice probiotic drink. I don't know if you've ever had kombucha, but it's kind of like a sparkling fruit tea. I don't know. It's a it's a bit of a specific taste, so if you hate it, I understand. But if you like any kind of sparkling, like effervescent beverage, you will probably like this. And the main reason that I'm recommending it is that I do believe that this health aid brand is superior. I've tried lots of different kombuchas and there are a number of them that I'm like, I I like it, like it's fine, but I don't like it enough to keep buying it and like drink it. I am notorious for like opening one and finishing it like halfway because I just don't like it enough. I really only like drink water and espresso outside of my kombucha. So yeah, this is the brand that I found, like, just has really good flavors. I like the Pink Lady Apple flavor and the Passion Fruit Tangerine flavor. And they're a little bit more affordable than other brands of kombucha as well, from what I've seen at my local grocery stores. So check it. I'm recommending Health Aid Kombucha. It has that official K-Bird Tweets, favorite things, stamp of approval. This week, I'm going to, I guess I'm still recommending things, really, with every one of these, but let's treat ourselves to a new hoodie or a sweatshirt this week. Oh, it is that time of year. Yes, it is. And who doesn't love a comfy sweatshirt or a hoodie? And my favorite hoodies are ones that I've gotten like on trips or when I go to some a new place that I really like and they're like selling merch or, you know, my my baseball hoodies. Maybe you get a Snakes Alive hoodie. Oh, that's, that's what I want. Okay, we're going to talk more about that later. But you have my full permission to treat yourself to a new comfy hoodie or sweatshirt this week. Let's take a turn here and talk a bit about Hispanic Heritage Month. I wanted to talk about this because I guess I realized that it was happening because of Major League Baseball and my consumption of that. But I realized I didn't know 
like why it was at this time or any I mean, any of the meaning behind it, right? Obviously recognize its importance and all of that, which is why I'm like, I need to dive more into this and, and figure out more meaning behind it and continue to make a dialogue and increase awareness about why and how we're celebrating this. So let's talk a little bit about it. According to the U.S. Department of State website, each year Americans observe National Hispanic Heritage Month from September 15th to October 15th. So see, that's where I got confused because I remember they started doing it in September. And I was like, oh, September is Hispanic Heritage Month. Cool. And then weeks later, we're still celebrating it in October. And I'm like, is October Hispanic Heritage Month? Or so it's a it's a month. It's a period of 30 days, but it's the middle of September through the middle of October. Great. By celebrating the histories, cultures, and contributions of American citizens whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South America. The observation started in 1968, has a Hispanic Heritage Week under President Lyndon Johnson, and it was expanded by President Ronald Reagan in 1988 to cover this 30-day period starting September 15th and ending on October 15th. It was actually enacted into law on August 17th of 1988 on the approval of Public Law 100-402. If you want to look it up, there it is. So the day, here we go, the day of September 15th is significant because it is the anniversary of independence for Latin American countries, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. In addition, Mexico and Chile celebrate their independence days on September 16th and 18th, respectively. Also, Columbus Day, what? What does Columbus Day have to do with any of this? I'm going to tell you. Columbus Day or Dia de la Raza, which is October 12th, also falls within this 30-day period. So, of course, okay, now it makes sense. We picked this 30-day period. Very intentional. Love it. But wait a second. What is Dia de la Raza? Well, okay, it is a, it is a holiday that is celebrated on Columbus Day in Spanish countries and Spanish communities. I was so confused when I first saw this that, like, wait, Spanish communities are celebrating Christopher Columbus? Like, I thought... I'm going to be honest with you. I thought we weren't celebrating Christopher Columbus anymore. I guess I'm not caught up because we definitely did. And there was a Columbus parade downtown Chicago. But I don't know. Anyway, it's cool that there is this holiday that celebrates different explorers who made a huge impact on establishing the world that we currently live in. So here's where this comes from. When Christopher Columbus stepped on the New World on October 12th, 1492, it was the moment when the world changed forever and the Europeans met the Native Americans. Okay, we know that. Following this map-altering event, many expeditions were organized to the newfound region by explorers like Francisco Hernandez de Cordoba, who was a Spanish explorer, and Nunez de Balboa, who is the former president of Panama. But it was actually Americo Vespucci, who is an Italian explorer, which is why the Italian community celebrate Columbus Day more as well, which I didn't, I had no idea about any of this. I'm like, did I go to school? Maybe I just haven't learned about this since I was eight years old. But Americo Vespucci actually proclaimed the discovery of the new continent after he navigated the coast of South America. And he is actually the one who named America, Americo Vespucci. Aha! So in baseball, throughout this 30-day period, MLB Network and MLB's digital platforms hosted programming celebrating Latin American players and their contributions to the game of baseball, including highlights featuring iconic Latino baseball figures. They actually had a special fantasy draft showcasing active Latino players that was hosted by retired big leaguers and MLB Network analysts Yonder Alonso and Carlos Pena. And there was a special sit-down Spanish language interview between three-time MVP, our guy Albert Pujols, and Ronald Acuna Jr. I'm going to have to look that up because I did not see it. And while, no, I do not speak Spanish and I could not understand it, I still would like to watch it. I would watch it with subtitles. And I think it would be really interesting to see how they interact 
maybe a little bit differently or even just more authentically in their native language. While we're talking about this, I will say I took two years of Spanish in high school. Mom, if you're listening, I know you're like laughing out loud already because I really, I was not great at at Spanish. Um, I think it's like the same part of your brain as as math, as like being good at math. So like math and foreign language, not my thing. I think it's super cool though. And I wish that I had been better at it. And I actually recently downloaded the Babbel app and I have made a commitment to doing little 15 minute Spanish lessons every day because I just think it's obviously a very widely spoken language in our country. And I wish that it, I wish I could learn how to speak it and I'm going to work on it because it's just lazy to say like, I can't learn it. Clearly, there's so many Hispanic people that live in our country and all kinds of people, not just Hispanic people, but people who are bilingual and sometimes speak even more than two languages quite fluently. And it's wildly impressive to me. But speaking of Albert Pujols, he does an incredible job of, I know he's been probably been speaking English for a long time now, but considering that it's not his first language and just the fact that he is a really, really good baseball player. Like I had zero expectations of him as an analyst or like an interviewer in this case, in the way that he's working for MLB network. Now he's awesome. You guys, he's like really good. I said something last week on our episode of Babes Babes in reference to coaching about how just being a great player doesn't make you a great coach. Same thing. Like just being a great player doesn't make you a great commentator or analyst. It is a completely different skill set. So I think it's easy to take for granted that like Albert Pujols is giving us these great insights and sharing in a way that is very digestible and engaging for all of us. But it's really impressive. It's a it's a completely different thing. And now he's doing it in multiple languages. So cool. Anyway, as of opening day of 2023, the Major League Baseball rosters remain among the most diverse in all of professional sports, with 40.34% of overall rosters being diverse outside of American-born players. That is according to MLB.com. And they also report that 30.2% of active players on opening day in 2023 were Latino or Hispanic players. So a very large majority of those diverse players are Latin players. There is a new MLB commentary broadcast on True TV and Max. If you haven't seen this yet, you've got to check it out. First of all, I didn't realize that I could watch the postseason without having cable, but Max is carrying most of, I think maybe all of the games, but they are also carrying this postseason ALT cast Peloteros. And Peloteros is, it's a commentary broadcast that features cultural conversations centered on the game of baseball as told through diverse voices and representation within the Hispanic community. So sportscaster Alana Rizzo is leading the panel with former players Pedro Martinez, Albert Pujols, Yonder Alonso, Ivan Rodriguez, and current players Nestor Cortez and Kike Hernandez. Y'all, it is like sitting around your living room chatting with these players and, you know, just the way that they're kind of looping in stories and again, like their unique perspective on it based on their culture and their background is really neat. So whatever your exposure to the Hispanic culture is and knowledge of it, I think you can really enjoy and and take something away from the Peloteros broadcast. They are definitely at least doing it through, through the CS. So If you're watching the Game 7 of the NLCS that's going to happen on this Tuesday, October 24th, if you're listening to this, the day that it comes out, check it out tonight. I hope they do it all through the World Series. And I've seen a lot of feedback online of people who are really enjoying it and hoping to see it in the regular season next year as well. Peace, Love, and Baseball is brought to you by Validity. Are you a fan of indie pop rock with a touch of Ben Folds, Mika, and Jukebox the Ghost? Then you've got to check out Validity. Validity is the musical project by the talented vocalist and instrumentalist Wesley McKinney. 
His latest album, Indivisible, is now streaming on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you listen. And it's a must-listen for anyone who loves upbeat melodies and catchy lyrics. What makes Validity truly special is McKinney's ability to seamlessly blend his passions for music, his love of baseball, creativity, fitness. He is not just a musician, but a well-rounded artist who knows how to stay active and inspired. His music is going to make you feel just the same. So whether you're cleaning the house, going to the gym, or just a creative mind and a lover of great music, looking for some tunes while you work or while you're driving, Validity has something for you. Tune into his music and let Wesley McKinney take you on a journey of self-discovery and fun. Stream Indivisible today. All right, we have made it to the thick of it today, which is our postseason tricks and treats segment. We're going to start with the tricks, but I think there's, you know, some treats in with the tricks, maybe. It's kind of just a fun way to cover the probably the top 10 biggest postseason headlines since we last spoke about the postseason on this podcast a couple weeks ago. So our first big trick that we're going to talk about is that moment where Adalis Garcia was hit by a pitch in the bottom of the eighth inning in the Astros and Rangers game five. So the Astros relief pitcher Brian Abreu hit Adalis Garcia by a pitch in the bottom of the eighth inning, which was just two innings after Garcia hit his big dramatic three-run home run, where he celebrated by walking halfway up the first baseline and doing that slamming bat flip onto the Globe Life Field turf before rounding the bases. And then he like stamped his way onto home plate as well. So the hit by pitch occurred with a runner on first. There was no outs and the Rangers were leading by two runs on the first pitch, 99 mile an hour fastball. He hits Garcia in the left arm. Garcia immediately turns to the Astros catcher, Martin Malinato, bench is clear and it's a whole damn thing. I guess a similar incident occurred at Houston's Minute Maid Park in late July after Garcia hit a grand slam. Drama. Yeah, you knew there had to be some background there, the way that Garcia just like flipped like a switch. Anyway, Abreu and Garcia were both thrown out of the game along with the Astros manager, Dusty Baker. And Brian Abreu was actually fined and suspended. He was issued a two-game suspension by Major League Baseball. He has actually appealed that suspension so that he is available to pitch in the championship series and I suppose in the World Series if the Astros were to make it. And he will potentially serve his suspension in the 2024 season. Kind of weird, but also kind of weird that he was issued a suspension. I wasn't watching when this happened. I was listening to it on the radio, actually. And I remember thinking it was crazy that like, There's no way he intentionally hit him, right? Not in that situation. Like, it's a relatively close game. There are no outs. There's a guy on base already. Like, what? There's no way you would have intentionally hit him. But then, you know, you rewatch it, and it, like, it looks like, it looks like there was no way it was going to miss him. So, I don't know. I mean, the umpires obviously thought that, that he did it very intentionally, And they're making an example of these sorts of things and really laying down the law that, like, there will be none of that old school reciprocity happening here. So who's to say? I have seen many media who believe that there is no way that it was intentional, especially, again, given the situation. Glad it's not my decision to make. But actually, this is breaking news, breaking news here from Peace, Love, and Baseball. Adolis Garcia has now 14 RBIs in this American League Championship Series, which has set the record for the most RBIs in a single postseason series with 14. Wow. Found his swing, baby. And again, I'll say this. I know I said this a couple weeks ago, but like, Let's get over it, Cardinals fans. He's so fun to watch. Just enjoy it. Yes, I know we like traded him away for a box of Twinkies or whatever, but the point is he's playing great baseball and we're enjoying it now. 
And it's okay that it's not for the Cardinals. We can't have every great player ever on our one specific team. I don't know. Just like, just enjoy it. Get what I'm saying? Okay. So yeah, definitely a little tricky there with that Garcia hit by pitch situation. He's obviously fired up, making the most of it, using it for inspiration. Another trick here from uh, Bryce Harper and the Phillies is all this Braves drama. After the Braves won game two of the National League Division Series from the Phillies, Fox Sports' Jake Mintz, who is actually one of two brothers that runs a popular Twitter account, Suspita's Family Barbecue. Great follow, by the way. Go check it out. But Jake reported that Braves shortstop Orlando Arcia had been celebrating after Atlanta's 5-4 win by saying, attaboy, Harper. Like, ha-ha, attaboy. You know, you've heard about this by now, right? But anyway, he was saying, attaboy, Harper, in the Braves clubhouse, like, after the game. Because Harper was doubled off on the base paths after Michael Harris made an absolutely sick catch in center field and a perfect throw to get Harper at first base to end that game. Obviously a big deal, a huge moment, everybody's fired up, and Arcia's talking with his boys, whatever, like, I'm not going to hold it against him. But Harper referenced that he had been made aware of the comment from his teammates, and in game three... He stared down Arcia as he rounded the bases after hitting not one, but two home runs to help win that game for the Phillies. You guys, I'm sorry. This was just fun. Those kinds of narratives are good for the game. And the thing that I think I love so much about Bryce Harper, not only is he obviously a phenomenal talent and is really fun to watch play baseball, but he's kind of found this like perfect balance of of creating the drama and like stirring the pot, but also being like a really stand up nice guy that you can root for. And I think his intention is everything with that of why it comes off that way, right? When he's staring down Arcia, he's not like actually threatening him or you know he's he's having fun and he's making it really fun for the fans so I don't know I mean I loved it but the big drama here was actually the heat and the backlash that Jake Mintz initially took from reporting this of what he heard inside the Braves clubhouse postgame there were other reporters there were players who were calling it like unprofessional of him to report such a thing. And there was actually another Braves player who made comments insinuating that this would hurt the media's overall relationship with players and their willingness to to talk with them. Comments against Jake's reporting have since been walked back and apologized for by other members of the media after like fully taking in, evaluating the situation a little bit more. And Ken Rosenthal actually did a great job on an episode of Foul Territory, which I was talking about earlier. I'm going to link that in the show notes for you, that specific episode, and you could check out Foul Territory by starting there if you'd like, because he he does a really good job explaining media access and the relationship of the media to the players and the job that they're there to do and why it is so important. And it's actually good for the game and the players for stuff like this to come out. So he articulates it as somebody who is obviously – you know, full on in the fire and well respected by everyone on every end of the game. So I'll let him take the rest of it if you're more interested in hearing more about that. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was fun. I think those are the things that like we hear the most ridiculous trash talk come out of like baseball and football. And listen, I like that baseball is classier. I like that sportsmanship is more valued and the example that is set for kids specifically and even like teenagers growing into adulthood is is something that is taken into consideration and is upheld a little bit more in baseball but these kinds of little things are like fun moments and interactions between players that I really think are harmless and again they're good for the game because they're showing a little bit more personality and the interaction that is more than just the numbers on your scorecard, right? So, little trick for you there. Oh, another trick, Cardinals fans. I know this was a trick we we did not love. 
Nolan Arenado has his gold glove streak has has come to an end. So Rawlings announced their top three finalists for the gold glove at each position on Wednesday of last week, and Nolan Arenado was not named as a finalist. So they come out with three finalists, and then after the World Series, they will announce the winner. But uh, for the first time in his career, he was not named a finalist for the third base gold glove. Instead, we've got NL third baseman Key Brian Hayes of the Pirates, Austin Riley of the Braves, and Ryan McMahon of the Rockies. Ooh, shade there with that Rockies third baseman who replaced him when he came over to the Cardinals. But anyway, with his streak at an end, Arenado actually ended up tying with Ichiro for the Major League Baseball record for most consecutive seasons winning a gold glove instead of breaking his record with an 11 straight season. So that's rough. This actually was the the biggest thing on my mind when they were announcing the Gold Glove finalist was, is Nolan Arenado going to be on this list this year? I don't know. I kind of have neutral feelings about it, if I'm being honest. If he had been a finalist, I don't think it would have been, you know, out of pity or out of due diligence of just like, of course, Nolan Arenado is on that list again. I mean, he still is elite at the position, even in a down year. But, you know, seeing reports that he even experienced like dead arm for the first time in his career in that first couple of months of the season, it was, it was just, it was a down season. And I didn't feel on the other side of the coin, like it was major shade that he was not a finalist either. So could have gone either way there. Kind of just is what it is. I think even if he had been a finalist, he would not have won it uh, because him and Key Brian Hayes have kind of been neck and neck the past couple seasons anyway, in terms of. Who could have taken it? Uh, I think he's, you know, been the obvious choice. But we're going to let some other third baseman get a, a good shout-out, get some gold this year. And I don't believe that it is Nolan Arenado's last gold glove. And that is what is most important. Another trick pulled on us by Marlins owner Bruce Sherman is in this breaking news that general manager Kim Ang will not return to the Marlins in 2024. Now, you've probably heard about this, but there might be some things that you haven't heard about regarding it. So Kim Ang declined her team option for 2024 to return as GM of the Marlins. She is the first woman to hold the GM position in Major League Baseball and the highest ranking woman executive in baseball. She was hired into this position in November of 2020. So she spent three full seasons with the Marlins. Well, since this news has come out, a lot has come to light in reports from specifically from Britt Garioli of The Athletic that the organization also wanted to hire a president of baseball operations over Kim Ng, which would have effectively been a demotion and prevented her from having the say that she was expecting to have in restructuring baseball operations in the way that she's been planning to. Multiple sources actually say, as reported by Britt, that Aang felt like she was being stripped of her power and underappreciated. Oof. Yikes. Kim Aang's official quote, of course, is that, in our discussions, it became apparent that we are not completely aligned on what that should look like, and I felt it best to step away. So the report that we all heard was, you know, she declined her option to come back for 2024, and the team was like, okay, well, I mean, we can't make you take it, and that is indeed how it works. But there's a number of other ways this could have gone. They could have offered her an extension for more money or that president of baseball ops position or whatever. The whole like president of baseball operations versus GM thing. And like some teams have one, some teams have the other, some teams have both. Who knows what the roles actually are because it's totally dependent on the organization itself in a lot of ways is is very confusing and I'm kind of over it. But obviously in this situation, she was in one position making decisions that very much need to be made and there's not someone else there to make them. And then they say like, all right, well, you know, you're doing a fine job. You've got this option to stick with us, but we're going to bring someone in over you and you'll basically be an assistant GM again, which by the way, she's been for multiple teams for many years already. And 
I don't know. It this this article by Brit, I will link this too. I know I'm making a lot of referrals for other content for you to consume today, but this is part of what I like to do is kind of find there's so much out there, right? That it's hard to sift through the things that are accurate, the things that are important, the things that are interesting, and the things that should be highlighted. And this is one of those things that I think we all just need to pay a little bit closer attention to and give Bruce Sherman and the Marlins a hard time on. Because man, I was really rooting for them, but this is a really bad look and there's some sketchy stuff going on here. And in in this article, I guess what I was starting to say was that uh, Britt actually says that, I believe she says something like, Bruce Sherman cares more about his yacht than his people. And, you know, that's, I think that's typical millionaire, billionaire behavior. Like, none of us are shocked by that initially. But, like, think about that. There are people actually working within the organization that are willing to come out and say that straight up. Like, that's pretty brutal. And, yeah, there's obviously some things going on in there of of we thought of this organization one way and maybe it's just not. So kind of a shame. I will be interested to follow this and more than anything to see where Kim Ang goes and to see what happens with Skip Schumacher and the training staff because or the coaching staff because they had a really good relationship and she made comments in her parting of ways about how she was going to miss working with him. So all very interesting coming from a team that I honestly was hoping that we would see playing right now. And who knows what things are going to be like for them next year. Little trick for you from Bruce Sherman. All right, another trick that like, I don't know, I don't want to be like too snarky or unappreciative of this landmark in Major League Baseball, but I also want to level with you here. The San Francisco Giants interviewed Alyssa Nacken for the managerial opening for their team since Gabe Kapler was fired. She has been on the coaching staff for the major league team for the past few seasons. She is well qualified as all major league baseball managers have a variety of experience. Some of them are players. Some of them have played at the major league level. Some have not. Some have been coaches at the major league level. Some have been managers at the minor league level. But there's very little consistency in terms of like, do this, get this. Baseball, professional sports is definitely one of those industries like the entertainment industry where just because you've done one thing doesn't automatically mean that you're in line for some specific next thing. So while I'm certainly not saying that she's not qualified because uh, I also talked on our Babes Babes episode last week about how clearly she is. And if you have trouble seeing that, please reference that episode because I kind of got on my soapbox there. But here's the reality of this. The thing that no one is talking about is that she is 33 years old. So she would be by far the youngest manager in all of Major League Baseball. In my opinion, that's like way more interesting than the fact that she's a woman, I guess because I just don't see the fact that she's a woman being any different in her ability to do the job. Now, her age, more or less, may not be a huge factor in that either, but it's a much more indicative thing in terms of like experience and really just when you're managing people that you would be, you know, potentially younger than a good handful of your players. I don't know. It's interesting. I just thought, I just think it's funny more than anything that like no one's talking about that thing. The other thing that they're not talking about is that Alyssa Nacken is going to give birth to her first child in February. So like first day of spring training, everybody reports and Alyssa Nacken is doing something that no one on her ball club can do. She's giving birth to a human like the badass that she is. So by no means am I saying that this should mean that she can't be the manager of a major league baseball team, but I'm going to give you the reality of contract work, ladies and gentlemen and friends. She definitely does not have any kind of paid maternity leave or probably any kind of guarantee of her job. Now, I think it would be amazing if they were to give her the position, have an interim manager, and let her come in and take over the team when she's ready if that if they see her as the best fit for that role. 
there is no way on earth that I think Major League Baseball is that is that progressive when the majority of the companies in our country are not. Like, I just don't think, I wish we were there. I wish we were there. I'm not saying they shouldn't do that. I wish they would. I think it would be absolutely incredible. But we are not there. And this is, I guess, like, I just think about it because this is a really big reason, not just, like, for having children and maternity leave, but all of the things that align with that, whether it's, like, paid sick leave or anything, any kind of security in income and stability in your life does not exist on contract work. And it is the same type of work that actors do and writers do and all of these people who create all this amazing content. So... Anyway, that's just kind of my mini little spiel on that. But I I think she will be a future manager, and this was the first step. And I think it's great that it was reported on, but I'm calling it a trick only in that I don't think there's any chance this is actually happening. But I really hope it's something that we can get on board with and be excited about happening sooner rather than later in the future. As of now, Bob Melvin is reported to be the current favorite for this job, And it's also been speculated that Mike Schultz, our guy Mike Schultz, who has been on the coaching staff for the Padres for the last few years, is uh, somebody who could be up for the Padres managerial job if Bob Melvin leaves San Diego. All right, I'm glad we got those tricks out of the way because here are some true postseason treats. Kyle Schwarber, kids, Among many other crazy records, he has now become the only left-handed hitter to hit 20 home runs in the postseason. Yeah, so he is on a list with only four other hitters who have 20 or more postseason home runs. Manny Ramirez, Jose Altuve, Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, and now our guy Schwarby for the Phillies. And of course, the only other active player on that list, Jose Altuve who hit a big go-ahead three-run homer in the ninth inning off Rangers closer LeClerc for a 5-4 comeback or come-from-behind victory in Game 5 of the American League Championship Series, and that was just this past Friday. So another huge moment, and I mean, just the fact that he's hit that many postseason home runs, he is not necessarily your, your top home run guy in the regular season, whereas, you know, Kyle Schwarber, he is, so... All treats there, seeing these guys play at their best on the biggest stage. Another big treat for me, I know, and I think for all of us, has been watching Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. dominating for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, there's many guys who are playing well and stepping up in ways for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but I want to point these two guys out because... They were part of a trade in the offseason. Gabby Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. were traded from the Blue Jays to the Diamondbacks in exchange for outfielder Dalton Varsho. That was it, just like straight up. One player for these two players. Listen, I was confused by it then. I'm way more confused by it now. So I guess a little bit of trick here on the Diamondbacks part. Maybe they pulled one over on the Blue Jays. I don't know. It didn't really make sense on paper when it happened. Comparing just, let's just compare Gurriel and Varsho because they're similar in that they're, they're outfielders who are like league average hitters, more or less. But this season, let's just compare Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Dalton Varsho. LGJ had 144 hits, Varsho had 116. Guriel had 24 home runs, Varsho had 20. Guriel's batting average, 261 versus Varsho's 220. 82 RBIs versus 61 RBIs, a 309 on base percentage versus 285. Guriel has a 463 slugging percentage versus Varsho's 389. A 772 OPS versus Varsho's 674, and a 108 OPS plus versus Varsho's 85. That's not to mention that they also got a whole nother player 
named Gabby Moreno, who is their everyday catcher and had a very strong year, absolutely a catcher of the future, not to mention how he's contributing in the postseason, and he's only 23 years old. Make it make sense, Blue Jays. Like, I just don't even know who said yes to this trade, but... I'm, you know, I'm not mad about it because I'm having a lot of fun watching them. So a treat for all of us, for sure. Another treat of the Diamondbacks postseason specifically has been their young pitcher, Fott, who has just had some very unexpected dominant outings. Not that he is particularly problematic, but he certainly was not expected to go out and perform at the same level that, you know, Gallon and Kelly are going to go out and be the co-aces for the Diamondbacks. But Fott's nine strikeouts with no walks in this game three of the NLCS, Diamondbacks versus Phillies, is the most strikeouts by a rookie in a postseason start without a walk since Don Newcomb struck out 11 in game one of the 1949 World Series. So anything like pre-1960, I'm like, that didn't even happen. So basically, he is, has the most strikeouts ever. <laughs> Fott also became the youngest starting pitcher in Diamondbacks history to strike out nine or more in a postseason start. And maybe most impressively, this game also made him the first pitcher in Major League Baseball postseason history with back-to-back starts allowing zero runs and zero walks. The, I mention this because he has been an absolute difference maker with the Diamondbacks going into Game 3 down 2-0 and everyone, ugh, national media, give me a break, just being like, rah, rah, Phillies, can't wait to see them crush these snakes and go win the World Series. Listen, I enjoy the Phillies. I was all in on the Phillies until they were playing the Diamondbacks, basically. But I don't appreciate hearing the media when they're so, like, one-sided. And it's so rare that you hear that. They usually do a pretty good job of being neutral. And they haven't been. So anyway, it was a huge start for Fott to come in and win this game three when Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, the, you know, one and two, or even sometimes referred to as the co-aces of this staff, could not get it done in the first two games, made it really easy for a lot of people to write the Diamondbacks off. But he came in, pitched the game of his life, and established a whole new chance for the Diamondbacks in this series and helped keep those snakes alive. Another big treat of the postseason while we're talking about pitchers, I just got to mention them all. Wheeler and Nola and Gallen and Kelly and Montgomery and Evaldi and Valdez and Berlander starting pitching at its finest. It's really cool to see these guys go head to head and especially when you are actively watching them pitch every five days. Like Nola and Kelly and Ivaldi, like these are all guys that we saw play our team or, you know, we're pitching in a game that we might have turned on if it was a good matchup throughout the regular season. But watching them do their thing in these back-to-back starts and the way that pitching and defense wins championships, it just could not be better demonstrated than in these series that we're having, even with these teams that have these monster offenses. All right, my final big treat that I want to finish with here is that the snakes are alive. The Diamondbacks, baby. As I mentioned, I waited until a little bit later in the day to record this episode because I wanted to see the D-backs win that game six and force a game seven. So if you haven't heard of Snakes Alive, Here's where it came from. During the Diamondbacks game three, which is that game we were just talking about with Brendan Fott, they were at home at Chase Field in Phoenix, and a fan was spotted on the broadcast holding a sign, just a white sheet of paper that simply read in the most basic of fonts, SNAKES ALIVE, in all caps. So before game four at Chase Field, the stadium operations staff delivered these SNAKES ALIVE signs to at least every seat behind home plate, maybe more. Like they posted a really cool video of like every seat as far as the eye could see with these 
white pieces of paper <laughs> that said snakes alive. Oh man, I just love stuff like that. If you're looking for it, you can get your Snakes Alive shirt from the John Boy site. I will link it here because I need one. I feel like we all need one. So much fun. I just think it's a really good mantra. And I the other thing that I was really impressed by tonight, obviously the Diamondbacks in, in staying alive, keeping the Snakes alive, forcing this Game 7 where they're hopefully going to take it all the way to the World Series is I've been really impressed by the the Diamondbacks social media admin. They posted a great picture tonight of Corbin Carroll singing in the hills. The snakes are alive with the sound of chaos. So I'll leave you with this. Stealing on pitchers and striking out batters, flashing the leather and crushing long dingers, chaos created to force a game seven. These are a few of our favorite things. We we probably could have made those last two lines rhyme, admin. We should collab. Get at me. You can get at me on Twitter at KBirdTweets as I am speaking with you into this recording. We are moments away from the Rangers seemingly moving on to their first World Series since they played the Cardinals there in 2011. They currently lead the Houston Astros 11-3 to in this Game 7 of the ALCS. So anticipating that that will be the big story that we are all chatting about on the Twitter tomorrow. You can follow the show on Instagram at peace.love.baseball and make sure that you are following Peace, Love, and Baseball on Spotify. Maybe hit up that Apple podcast where you can rate and review. We're also on Amazon Music. Find me where you find me and I will see you next week for more Peace, Love, and Baseball. (laughs) 